It's chapter 16. And I'll, I'll pray real quick and we'll get started. Uh, Heavenly Father, we, it's a privilege to be here. And we thank you, Lord, that we can come together as a church family to worship you, to hear from your word. I just pray that you would help me now uh, to convey this message that you put on my heart, uh, that you would bless it, Lord, and uh, help us to serve you. In Jesus' name, amen. So in Acts chapter 16, um, I'll pick it up in... Uh, verse 16. Uh, and it came to pass, as we went to, to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with the spirit of divination met us, which brought her master much gain by soothsaying. And the same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. And this did she many days, but Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. And when her masters saw that the hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace unto the rulers and brought them to the magistrates, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. When they had laid many strips upon them, they had cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And that's kind of what I want to focus on tonight is the, the last verse there in 25. So Paul and Silas were uh, doing the Lord's work, spreading the gospel. And uh, Paul had helped the young lady who was possessed and cast out that demon. And, of course, her owners weren't making money anymore by her uh, divination and soothsaying. So they cast them, cast them into prison. And uh, every time I read these verses, I, I think the same thing. And it amazes me that... Here they are doing the Lord's work, which is difficult enough. And then they're, they're facing persecution and cab beaten and, and cast into prison. And yet here they are uh, singing praises unto God. Praying, prayed and saying praises unto God. And I've often wondered, what, what does it take to achieve that level of spirituality? Like how much Bible, how much prayer, how much fasting... And it always amazes me. You know, that's really high ground to be on that level. But it occurred to me really recently, and, and this all may be true, but it occurred to me recently that a lot of it is just believing in God's Word. They have faith in God's Word. So in Matthew 5.11, when Jesus said, Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. They simply believed that. And I think that was a big part of their actions and a big part of their, their willingness to stick their necks out for God. Uh, I think a lot of the, the, the problems that we have today is uh, uh, simply not having enough faith in God's word. Um, for example, if we took Romans 8.28 seriously, that 
you know, we know all things work together for good, for good of them that love him. Why would we ever be bitter? Um, if we knew that God would take care of our needs and even bless us, why would we begrudge giving? Uh, if we knew, if we believed Revelation 21, where God said he would wipe away all tears from our eyes someday, why would we, we be persistently sorrowful? And so I, I think a lot of it is linked to a lack of faith. Uh, because we live in this flesh, all right? there's always a part of us that doubts God. My daughter Hannah, uh, very dear and sweet girl, but she loves to be a, a backseat driver. And up until a year ago, every time I take her to my parents' house, I'd hear the same thing. Dad, are we going the same? Are we going the right way? I, I, I don't remember going this way before. Are we lost? You know? Every time. A four-year-old. And every time I'd say the same thing. I'd say, Hannah, you know, I've driven to my parents' house over a thousand times, and I've never gotten lost. You know? And even when I reassure her, she's, she's kind of like, oh, I don't know, Dad. I don't know. I don't know. But, uh, as, as crazy as that sounds... I do the same thing to God. And no matter how many times God delivers me and helps me, I find that with each new problem, there's a part of me that says, are you sure you're in control, God? Are you there? So God was using my daughter to speak to me. Now, uh, turn to Jeremiah chapter 42. And just to give you some background, this was a, a dark time in Israel's history. Uh, Israel had, had cast aside their covenant with God, and they had cast aside the Lord's commandments. And they were sinning in every way imaginable, and God was sending prophets and men of God to warn them to no avail. And finally, God would bring down judgment, and he would bring down the Babylonians. And so Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians came down and they, they laid siege to the city. And uh, what happened next was uh, nothing short of genocide. They went in and they, they killed the men, the women, and the children. It's all outlined in, in the Book of Lamentations. But they, uh, Nebuchadnezzar had, after he had destroyed the city and tore it down, he had left, uh, he, he had actually taken away the largest portion of the population as captives back to Babylon. And he left a small group of poor people, the Bible says, to tend the vines and uh, to, to watch, the, to take in the fruits. And he left a man called Gadaliah to be leader or, or king over this small remnant of people. And there's two other men in the story. I don't want to confuse the, the story at all, but there's two other men that come into play. Ishmael, an Ammonite, who was planning to kill this new king that Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and Johanan, a captain, who wanted to stop him. 
And so Johanan, a kind of a valiant man, went to the king and, and warned him and said, Ishmael is going to kill you. He, the king didn't believe him, and Ishmael came with his men. They killed the king. They took uh, a smaller group of people captive and headed back to the land of Ammon. Johanan went after him with his men. He overtook them. He took the captives back. And this is where we're going to pick up in, in Jeremiah 42, verse 1. Then all the captains of the forces, and Johanan, the son of Kariah, and Jazaniah, the son of Hoshiah, and all the people from the least even unto the greatest came near and said unto Jeremiah the prophet, Let we beseech thee, our supplication be accepted before thee, and pray for us unto the Lord thy God, even all this remnant, for we are left but a few of many, as thy eyes do behold us. That the Lord thy God may show us the way wherein we may walk, and the things that we may do. Then Jeremiah the prophet said unto them, I have heard you. Behold, I will pray unto the Lord your God according to your words, and it shall come to pass that whatsoever thing the Lord shall answer you, I will declare it unto you, and will keep nothing back from you. And they said to Jeremiah, The Lord be true and faithful witness between us. If we do not even according to all the things which the Lord thy God shall send thee to, uh, shall send thee to us, whether it be good or whether it be evil, we will obey the voice of the Lord our God, to whom we send thee, that it may be well with thee, when we obey the voice of the Lord our God. So it, uh, it's, it's looking pretty good at this point. They've, they've humbled themselves, and they're approaching God's man, God's prophet, and they're looking for direction. And they say, well, if whatever God tells us to do, we'll do. And so Jeremiah goes back, and we pick up... Um, Verse 9, And he said unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, unto whom ye send me, to present your supplication before him. If you abide in this land, then will I build you and not pull you down. And I will plant you and not pluck you up. For I repent me of the evil that I have done unto you. Be not afraid of the king of Babylon, for whom ye are afraid. <coughs> Be not afraid of him, saith the Lord, for I am with you to save you and to deliver you from his hand, and I will show mercies unto you, that he may have mercy upon you, and cause you to return into your own land. So, uh, God has spoken here, but just to give you some reference, now, Nebuchadnezzar, like I said earlier, had, had come to the land, he destroyed the city, he, he killed uh, innumerable people, he took slaves away, uh, and now, the man that he put in charge was murdered. He doesn't know that some Ammonite did this. Right, so if he if, if Nebuchadnezzar comes back with his army, what, it, what was he going to do now? It was bad enough the last time. And so all the people, uh, understandably, are nervous and afraid of what's going to happen. And, and, but God's message is clear. Stay in the land. Did they listen? No. They didn't. They went down to Egypt. Why? Why did they listen to the voice of God? Well, uh, to stay would have required faith in God's word. God's command in God's way was opposite of what made sense to them at the time. And they thought their idea of, of going down to Egypt was the right course of action. In their mind, Egypt would have provided protection 
peace and peace of mind that they so badly wanted at that point. Uh, turn to Jeremiah 44, 28. This is God speaking after they made that decision, that faithful decision. Yet a small number that escaped the sword shall return out of the land of Egypt into the land of Judah. And all the remnant of Judah that are gone into the land of Egypt to sojourn there shall know whose word shall stand, mine or theirs. Powerful words, and we know what happens. Uh, They go down to Egypt. We know that uh, the Egyptians... Later on, they align themselves with the remnant of the Assyrian army. And uh, Pharaoh Necho II faces off against Nebuchadnezzar in battle, and the Egyptians are destroyed. And Babylon takes the land uh, that Egypt had previously owned. Uh, a A tough judgment for people that have already faced God's judgment. Now, we fast forward to today, and the situation is different for us. We don't have Babylonians burning our houses down. Uh, The situation is different, but the message is the same. All of us have problems that we go through, and all of us have worries and and, uh, uncertainty. And sometimes there's two solutions to that problem. Uh, There's the way that seems right and that's logical and makes sense on one hand. And on the other, the other option is obeying the Bible. This option will always put us in a bad place. Johanan thought it made sense to go down to Egypt. David in the Bible thought it made sense to go to the Philistines. Lot thought it made sense to pitch his tent towards Sodom. All of them were, were mistakes. They, they made their decision by sight and by what they thought, their own logic, their own thinking. Many times God's ways don't make sense to our natural mind. Uh, for example, if we want or need help with, with money, we give. If we want rest, we labor. If we humble ourselves, we're lifted up. God's ways are always sometimes opposite of what we would expect. If we make a decision that's against God's word, it'll take us to a bad place every time. Turn with me to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Verse 11. Now these things happen unto us for examples, and they are written for our admonition unto whom the ends of the world are come. These stories in the Bible that are preserved by the Lord are for our admonition and our learning. Uh, let's not make the same mistake that Johanna made. Okay. If we're going through something, God won't necessarily take it away. What he will do, if you're going through a problem or a concern, he won't necessarily remove that. But if we have faith 
and obey his word, he'll give us the grace to go through it and we'll come out in a better place. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness and we thank you for your word, Lord. We pray, uh, I pray you be with my brother Jacob as he comes up to preach and I pray you just bless the rest of this night. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Hi, everyone. How are you doing? I want to thank God. I have came to know the Lord some 42 years ago. And I'm so grateful. I know I was on my way to eternal damnation. And a friend of mine, when we were in high school, walked up to me one morning and he said, May I talk to you for a minute? He had just gotten saved. And I said, yes. And we walked into the locker room, and he witnessed to me, and I got saved that day. Some 42 years ago today. Have I been faithful to God? No, I haven't. But he has been merciful to me. He has carried me through. He has carried me. And I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful to him. That whenever I have the opportunity to openly thank him, and I'm internally thankful to my friend this day. He's a pain. He's living in New Jersey, but I'm internally thankful to him that he, was, he had a faith to share the gospel with me. And so, this is not my thing to be up here, but I thank God for the opportunity. And I thank God. God has a way of dealing with people. And I thank God. And pastor came and he's one of the one prayed and, and get you going, you know. And I thank God for that. This evening, I want to look at a few things. Why do we go through suffering at times as believers? The purpose of suffering. Why? What, what's the purpose? What God wants to teach us. And one of the things, there are many reasons, and one of the things I, I came up with is to establish us that we may repent from our sins. And I have two examples tonight to, to share. And the first one, if you have your Bible, turn to Judges chapter 16. And let me, let us pray for just a second. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord. Please use me at this time. I'm nervous because this is not my place. And I thank God for pastors that preaches your word every day, day in and day out. Help me tonight, Lord. Speak through me. If just one point stick, whoever is listening to me tonight, Lord, let an I hear my accent. Let an I hear me or hear your word, Lord. I thank you in Christ's name. Amen. So if you listen to, if you turn your Bible to Georgia chapter 16, and we'll talk about a man, a man that God has, that had a purpose, that God brought him forth for a purpose. And that man was Samson. That man was Samson. And for time's sake, if you turn your Bibles on, I said, Georgia chapter 16, verses 4. And I read that and go to the bottom. I mean, I want to read the whole section, 16 verses 4 to 20, but I just do the first one. 
And it came to pass afterward that he loved a woman in a, in a valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. And if you look down to verse 20, and she said, The Philistine beat upon thee, Samson, and he awoke out of his sleep. And he said, I will go out as other time before and shake myself. And he wished not that the Lord was departed from him. He didn't even know that God has gone away from him. And my friend, that's what happened in our lives. As I look at these two men tonight. And many of us were fit into, into those two categories. And so we see Samson, a man that God has obtained for a special purpose. And number one, sin will always take us further than what we want to go. Sin will always take us. So let us be careful with sin. Let us be careful. Let us stay by the side of the Savior. Samson was delighted before birth as the one who will begin to deliver Israel from the Philistines. God gave him superhuman strength to achieve this. But Samson's whole life was filled with compromise in his repeated refusal to control his sensual desire and whim. And so here, instead of listening to God, he wanted to do what he wanted to do. And if you look in Judges chapter 14, you see he went to his parents and he said, I have seen a woman and I want that woman. And his parents told him, you sure you don't want anyone from your brethren? You sure you don't want anyone from your brethren? He said, no, that's the woman I want. And that's what sin will do with us, my friend. Sin will always take us further than we want to go. And that's what we see in his life of sensing. The second portion is sin will always keep us longer than we want to stay and keep us from God. If you look at Judges 20 and Judges 16, 20 and 21, verses 20 and 21. But the Philistine took and put, took him and put out his eye and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with feathers of brass. And he did grin in the prison house. Howbeit the hair of his head began to grow again and after he was shaven. So we see here, Samson, now he with the Philistine, they finally got him. It's not so much of him, but sin, my friend, like I stated before, will always keep us longer than we want to stay and keep us away from God. Let us remember that. Samson's relationship with God has deteriorated so much that he didn't even know. He didn't even realize that God has left him. Do you feel like Samson sometimes when you go on your own? When you go out there on your own. And you know some of the worst people that I meet at time is Christians. People that I save that go away from the Lord. And they have the worst thing to say. They will pick on every brother that they came across. 
When you walk through these doors, we all are sinners. When I enter this door, if this place was perfect, it's no longer perfect because of me. I'm a sinner. And as those are one of the worst people, and they'll go out, instead of spreading the gospel, instead they turn on God. And so Samson didn't even realize that God has gone away from me. He took his strength, and well as God's presence was granted, he put his trust into the wicked woman, that wicked Delilah. My friend, I want to assure you today, our only true security is found in God, Amen. not in anyone else, That's right. not in a woman, not in a man, not in mankind. It's in God. So always remember that when you go, when you go away from God, you're not going to have peace. Peace will not be with you. The third point is, sin will always cost us more than we intend to pay. Do you believe that? It will. Sin will always cost us. Let's look at verse 30. Judges 16.30. And Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. And he bore him himself with all his might. And a husk fell upon the Lord and upon all the people that were therein. So the dead which he slew at his death were more than they which he slew in his life. God will still be done through you, regardless you want it or not. You can run all you want. You can be a Jonah all you want. His will will still be done. God had a purpose, and he told his parents before he were even born. And he tried to run from God. He did all the wrong thing. In spite of sensing past, God still answered his prayer and destroyed the heathen temple and worshiper. God still loved him. That's one thing we should always remember when we go away from him. He still loves us. That's why he sent his only begotten son, Jesus, to die on that cross. He knew how Jacob was going to be. He knew how you were going to be. And he still made us. So just always remember that. Just always remember that when you go away from God, when you think the world can offer you everything, no, they cannot. Because when it's done with you, when his word is done with you, that when it was done with Samson, what happened to him? God was willing to hear Samson's prayer of confection and his repentance and use him his final time when he brought down that building and killed all those heathen worshippers. My friend, let us be careful. Let us be careful. You were bought with a price. I was bought with a price. And God just didn't pay for us so that we can do whatever we want. He has a plan for us. And as the day gets evil, as I was telling somebody the other day, I don't know. Is it the end time? You hear all these things. I know no one knows. But you hear of all these things. 
Let us share the gospel. Let's tell others about Jesus Christ. That is our duty in this day and time. Tell others. The second example I have, if you have your Bible, turn over to Luke 15. Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. And the second example we're going to talk about is the prodigal son. I know we hear so many messages about the prodigal son. And like in the case of Samson, the prodigal son, the first thing was the rebellion of that prodigal son. The rebellion of that prodigal son. And we'll let's look at Luke 15. And they say, and the young the younger of them said to his father, that's Luke 15, 12 to 13, verses 12 and 13. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of my goods that followed to me. And he divided them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. Into a far country. And there wasted his sons in a riotous living. He wasted everything, all that his father has worked for. He wasted everything. My friend, if sin was not such a pleasure for a season, it would not be such a problem for us. But when we sit in these four corners, and when we sit as a believer, we look out there, and we're like, wow, look at what I'm missing out there. They're having so much fun. But you and I know, you and I know, we should know better. We see in our lifetime all these superstars that we hear of them, we see, we think they're having fun. They're jetting from one place to another. They got the fastest car out there. They got everything. And we're like, wow, I hope I could be like them. No, my friend. We see when sin is done with them, what happened to them. Take, for example, take a look at Whitney Houston and her daughter. All that they had. What is it today? When sin is done with you, my friend, it throws you out because you're useless. Will your God do that to you? No, he will never. You will never. Sin never delivers what it offers. It never, it will never deliver it. James 1.15 tells us, Then when lust has conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. And that's true. We saw that in the case of Samson. And now we have the prodigal son. The second portion that I would like us to look at for the prodigal son is retribution. The prodigal son's retribution. Let's let look at, let's look in the Bible. What I did because at the time I just, I copied and pasted the verses in my notes. Well, let's look at Luke 15, 14 and 16. 
Luke 15, verses 14 and 15. Give me a break. I lost my spot. Verses 14 and 15. And when he has spent all that, when he has spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his field to feed the swine. Wow. Wow. C.S. Lewis said once, God whispers to us in health and in prosperity, but being hard of hearing, we fail to hear God's word in both. Whereupon God turned up the amplifier by means of suffering. By means of suffering. And then his voice, boom. And we can hear it, like someone having a boom box out and then we can hear it. Why do we have to go through that when we can just stay in the comfort of God? Why we cause problems for ourselves? Why, my friend? Second Corinthians 4, 4 says, In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. My friend, like I said, God, regardless, there's retribution. And the prodigal son went through it. And each and every one, as a believer, one has given their life to Christ. When we disobey, we will have that. God is merciful. Yes, indeed. God is compassionate. Yes, indeed. But one thing our God is, my friend, he's holy. He's holy. And because he's a holy God, he does not allow certain things. Thank God for Jesus. That he sit on the right hand of God the Father, like Pastor asked this morning, and he pleading on our behalf, my friend. But there will be retribution. Let us be careful. Let us be mindful. The next thing I see of the prodigal son is the prodigal son repentance. The prodigal son repentance. And we can find that in Luke fifteen seventeen to 19. And when he came to himself, he said, How many higher servants my father have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father's, and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me one of thy higher servants. So they had a better life than he did. They did. They had a better life than he did. My friend, you and I can escape sin control by obeying the gospel and serving righteousness. We can do that. We can do that by the help of God with this book 
If we live in his book, we can do that. Romans 6, 17 to 19 says, But God be thanked that ye were the servant of sin, but ye have obeyed from your heart that form of judgment which shall deliver to you. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servant of righteousness. I speak after the manner of man because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members, servants to uncleanness and to iniquity, even so you yield your members, servants, righteousness unto holiness. My friend, by affliction, God is boiling us of what otherwise might be might have spoiled us. God, I mean, God is spoiling us. You remember the story of in Second Samuel, I think it's twenty-four of of David, when David sinned against God, and God gave him an option. God gave him three things that He would do to him when He sent a prophet. What was his response? He said that he will prefer the punishment from God. He did not want to fall into the hand of man. David knew better. My friend, David knew better. We don't want to fall into the hand of man. We don't want to follow man out there. The things of this world look glamorous. It looks bright and shining and we may want it. But in the end, my friend, it's not good for us as believers. We're supposed to be the beacon. We're supposed to be the light of this world as Christians. Especially now. Especially now with all that is going on. I hope you and I are not going out there and flaming the fire and taking sides. The only side we should be taking is that of Christ. And telling people of the love of God and why Christ came. Be neutral. Forgive the gospel when you have that opportunity. When someone comes to you. Why are these things happening? Spread the gospel. Tell them the good news of Christ. Tell them. And another aspect of the prodigal son is restoration. Restoration, my friend, of the prodigal son. And look, let's look at Luke chapter 15 again. Luke chapter 15, verses 24. For this my son is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be married. That prodigal son, he arose, he came to his father. And yet what a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion. And ran and fell upon his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, like I said before, my friend. Sometimes God, sometimes God bring suffering in our lives so that we will have the right perspective. So that we will have the right perspective. The agony of man affliction is often necessary to point into the right move, to face the fundamental things of life. The psalmist said, Behold, I was afflicted. I went astray. But... Now I have, but now have I kept that word. Obeying God's law free us to be what God designed us to be by seeking God's salvation and forgiveness. 
we have freedom from sin. We have freedom from sin, my friend. Remember that. <clears throat> and last but not the least, the prodigal son rest. And we find that in Luke fifteen twenty four. For this I read it before. For this my son was there and is alive again. He was lost and is fine. And they began to be married. Blessed is the man whom thy chastenest, O Lord, and teach him out of thy Lord, that thou mayest give him rest from the days of adversity, unto the pit be dig for the wicked. Psalm ninety-four, twelve to thirteen. My friend, for those who have experienced a severe chastisement of God in a specific sin will be most fearful to walk down the same path of weakness in the future. And as I was doing this, I remember, I remember one place that Pastor Pest like never went around. Oh, it's a bar. He went far away from it. Because like he said, he had a drinking problem and he didn't want to go anywhere near it. I mean, it's not anything new he said in the pulpit. So we ought to be careful. We know that sin that easily beset us that sin that easily beset us. Do you hang around it? I hope not. I hope not. I hope you, you stay away from it. I hope you stay away from it. It is like putting your hands on a hot stove. If you've done it before, if it burned you before, you won't do it again. <clears throat> Growing up in Africa, one thing I, I for some reason, this electric stove, Prior brother Vara can tell me they were not grounded, I guess. But those things, if it wouldn't have a pad before them, oh, you got a shock under that stove. Every time you went, Phew. And so you're always afraid. And it was most of the stove. I don't know. Because, I don't know. You might know probably were not grounded. I don't know. They didn't do it right or something. But you always had a, got a shock. And you always wanted to stay away from it. So if you have been bind before with a particular sin, what do you do? Do you keep going back and going back and going back like a drug addict and injecting yourself and injecting yourself? No. You want to stay away from it. You want to stay away from it. The prodigal son probably broke the heart of his father by demanding his rights to his inheritance. He then left home for a life of self-indulgence. He was so swayed and moved by his father pleading. He was not swayed by the move. But the sway, he was not swayed of moved by his father's pleadings, not even tears that his father shared. The heartbroken but wise father permitted his son to walk down those roads. Turn on our God. One thing I learned, the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. As a believer, the Holy Spirit lives within us, right? But he does not interfere with us. He's a gentleman. If you don't invite him, you take the Holy Spirit as a believer with you everywhere. And most time we go out there, we do things, and the Holy Spirit is with us. We don't think twice. We should. That whenever as a believer we have God with us. Imagine, imagine if you were to be in the president of the United States and you are going with you everywhere. I'm sure you're going to be so careful what you said, what you did. Right? 
you have the Almighty God with you. And we are so careless. We are so careless, my friend. We are so. But our heart broken for wise father permitted. And sometimes God allows things. Go. See how it's like out there. Go. Go your way. He allowed him to go. My friend, in no time, he has spent all his money, everything he had. Under such intense affliction, he came to his senses and repented of his foolishness and headed back to his father. I hope, my friend, that you and I do likewise. When we go away from God, I hope we remember and the Holy Spirit to us. I hope we remember to come back. I hope. Many of us Christians are too cold. We get too cold, we get hardened, indifferent to come back to God at times. And what God does, He results to some harsh method in order for that backsliding believers to return to Him. He put us obstacle in our way. You cannot find your way whatsoever. Everything falls apart on you. We must, my friend, when you realize we have made a mistake, we must, we must come back to God. He loves you. He loves me. That's why he sent his only begotten son. Lo, um, Job 33, 29 to 30 tell us, Lo, all these things work at God oftentimes with man to bring back his soul from the pit. To be enlightened with the light of the living. My friend, before I take my seat, when we find ourselves lost at sea in sin, never forget to turn around and look for God's lighthouse. And he will throw you that lifeline. He will throw you that lifeline. And as I was doing this, I, God brought to mind this song. I'm not going to sing. He brought to mind the haven of rest. My soul is in sad exile and was out on life's sea, so burdened with sin and distress. Then I heard a sweet verse saying, Make me your choice. And I entered a haven of rest. I anchor my soul in a haven of rest, and I seal the wise seas no more. The tempest may sweep over the wide stomach deep. And the last portion of that, in Jesus, I'm saved forevermore, evermore, my friend. We are saved in Jesus forevermore. May we never forget that. The short time we have on this earth, let us work while it is yet day. Let us do something for the Lord. Let us do something for the Lord. And I thank. I would never be up here. And I thank. Pastor. Persuading and pushing. You know. I'll be the last one. And I tell you for those. That I attend my Sunday school class. I tell you all the time. I will be the last person. But I thank God. 
And if you didn't get anything out of this tonight, just remember that God loves you. Stay within that boundary. Don't go outside. Stay within. You are his child. In his hand, he's half you and me. And he will never let us go. He will draw us back. Do we want a harsh way or the easy way? Just stay. Just stay. Thank you. Thank you so much, Brother Okai, Brother Syret. I don't think the two of these men planned their messages together, but can I draw them together? Why were the Israelites in Egypt and then trapped there because of sin? Why was uh, Samson in captivity and ended up having to die because of sin? Why was the prodigal son sitting in the pig pen wanting the food that the pigs were eating because of sin? Behind this pulpit right here, there's a lot of preaching about suffering. And generally the conclusion is God's trying to work a work in your life to make you more like him. But maybe a point that isn't made enough. Sometimes you're suffering because God's allowing you to suffer because of your sin. Sometimes God's just allowing the consequences of your bad choices to have at you. You know... The way we talk, the way we treat each other at home, at church. What we choose to entertain ourselves with, it matters. Music we listen to, it matters. The bitterness that's in our heart toward the way someone treated us, that matters. And um, you may be here suffering tonight, and deep down inside you know you're suffering because you're living in sin. Now, you have a choice. You can, by faith, follow God's way out of sin. So you can be like Paul and Silas and sing and pray. Or you can continue to be hard-headed and suffer. How about it tonight? Let's have our heads bowed nice clothes. Lord... As Brother Okai and Brother Syret preach, things are brought to my heart that need to change. Lord, as Brother Okai said, the Spirit of God's a gentleman. He's not going to break us in two, but He's there to show us that we're wrong. So, Lord, as you put your finger on the heart, on the issues of the hearts of those in this room, would we be quick to respond? Will we be willing to see that sin brings suffering? And if we're suffering because of our sin, may we be quick to confess it and forsake it. In Jesus' name. Let's stand to our feet with our heads.